Hello and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's our goal here to help create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions to better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, if you don't already know that. This is an interesting episode because it really does go into that middle ground between home performance and HVAC. What's it like to build a tech product from the ground up? How do you validate that a market exists? And what tools can you use to gain confidence that you're on the right track? In this week's podcast, I'm joined by John Hohen, who is CEO of Duckling. Now, Duckling's mission is to help contractors help their customers on their journey to electrifying their homes. John and his co-founder, Sudeep Yagnashankaran, have deep backgrounds in software development. They've created the Duckling concept over the last two years and are now moving into the design phase. We'll learn all about what that means, where they came from, their background, and where things are headed right now, and some of the tools they use. I found it fascinating to have this peek behind the curtain in software development and tech development. Now, I'm honored to join their team as an advisor alongside Elliot Trice, Elliot brings decades of experience in tech product development and design, just some awesome insights into the direction that Duckling is headed. I want you to keep your eyes open and ears peeled for what Duckling hatches in the coming year. In full disclosure, I have a small financial interest in Duckling, but that doesn't cloud my excitement and bringing my passion to the passions of Sudeep, John, and Elliot in bringing this product to the market. So let's listen to this conversation I had with John about a new product concept for contractors interested in residential electrification. Today I have on the show a new friend of mine, new friend in the last year or so, John Hohen. Good morning, John. Hey, Bill. John, where do you hail from right now? Where do you work from? I'm in New York City. I work out of a co-working space. Oh, we work here in New York City. And we're going to talk today about residential electrification and duckling. And if anybody's been following some of the things I've been doing, including at the HVAC school symposium, the fourth one back in January, I guess, of 2023, we did a panel discussion on it. And a lot of this inspiration for the discussion came from the work that John started. So I think to learn more about how I got to this point where I'm working with John, as an advisor, let's go back into John's history and see how he got to the point where he was at where we met. What's your background, John? I come from a software background. I've worked in business and operations at software companies pretty much my whole career. I started off working at IBM where we were helping large Fortune 500 companies doing these large tech transformations. Think like insurance companies moving to digital claims processes. We were helping them build and plan and manage those projects. After that, I worked for three years at Uber. I was on our driver operations side. Most of my time there was focused on helping to scale our driver networks across the US and Canada. It started in a couple of local networks in Kansas and Missouri before working at the US and Canada level. And then finally, most recently, before Duckling, I worked at an enterprise software company called Ridgeline. And Ridgeline, we were building vertical software for investment managers, things like accounting, portfolio management, trading, all those operations that it takes to run an investment management company. I was on the strategy team there and worked there for about three years. 
Very interesting. I mean, these seems like such diverse areas of business. What's the common thread? What's the core that resonates with you across these different areas as you move through them? All of them were really focused on how software is changing whatever industry that we were a part of. So at IBM, most of the clients that I worked with were insurance companies, and they were moving towards more the digital insurance we're used to today, being able to go through your claims and take pictures of your car and submit everything all online. With Uber, that was transportation. Obviously, transportation was being made digital through Uber, being able to hail from your smartphone. And then, of course, at Ridgeline, we were working with investment management companies that had software built in the 90s, mostly, maybe some in the 2000s, but old software that was being replaced with cloud-based software. And that's what we were building. And a lot of this must really come from understanding how things work today in order to transform them to work better tomorrow. I've noticed in working with you, you ask really good questions and you have a lot of structure to your questions. Is this something you've always done or something that's evolved in you? Probably something that's evolved. So I don't think at any point in my career have I been an expert in whatever area I've been working in. I've come in having to learn it. Coming out of college, being thrown into insurance companies, I didn't know how insurance or claims processes worked. Barely had any yourself. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. You think I knew how to buy it at that point. But in those jobs, that was a big part of it is our team would get on the ground and we'd have to really quickly learn what's happening in this company. What are their processes? How do they get whatever jobs they're doing done? And I think it started growing from there and just kept going. Is there anything about like your early background as a student or a child or like a part-time job, something that you look back on and say, yep, that's how I got on this path? My family likes to joke that I would go through phases when I was really young. So I'd jump from one thing to another and I'd get really in depth in that thing, but then I'd want to keep learning another new thing. If you ever meet my parents or my family, just ask them about my phases and you'll get some funny stories. John's phases. Okay. Love to remember that. So we haven't talked yet about Duckling. So where did the idea come from to create this product called Duckling? It started off towards the end of my time at Ridgeline. I've always cared about the climate and what I can do to address climate change. For a long time, I thought that just meant doing the best that I can in my personal life. But what I came to notice in my career is that even with my background, just working on the business and operations of software companies, I could make a larger impact. And so I ended up joining the OnDeck Climate Tech Fellowship after I left Ridgeline, which was largely focused on helping people with tech backgrounds like myself find out how they can build a career in climate. And I was really interested in building electrification because it was an instance of a technology where, yeah, electrifying the buildings where it makes sense to electrify them, electrifying as many as we can, it does make a really positive climate impact. But the technology has so many other benefits. You can reduce bills. You can have better indoor air quality. You can have more control, a greater comfort in the home. And so climate didn't need to be the main draw for a consumer to buy this technology. It was just a nice societal benefit that comes with it. And so in the fellowship, I met two other people you know who are about a part of Duckling, Sadiq Yagnashankaran and Elliot Trice, who we decided to start a company to actually help homeowners understand their opportunities to electrify their homes and build a path for electrifying. From the homeowner perspective, it's a really confusing process if you just want to electrify everything. There's many different definitions of what electrification can mean, and it's just hard to find good resources to know what to do. And so we originally set off to build a all 
digital guide for electrifying one's home. This was culminating in a product where they could enter some info about their house. We would do some energy modeling to give them a path for electrifying, let them know the impacts of electrifying. We would find the rebates available to them. And then we were going to build a network of contractors that we would pair them with to get this work done. That's where we started. But as we were working with homeowners and as we were working with contractors, we became more convinced that we need to be putting software in the hands of contractors. It wasn't necessarily a problem of getting the jobs, but they were ready to serve as the guides for electrification. There were just some tools that could be built that could make it easier and more efficient for them to do so. And so that's where we started. That's around the time you came on board. And we started to focus Duckling on really building tools for the contractor. So when... Was the time, the year or month of the On Deck Climate Tech Fellowship, what is that? Is it a, something you go to online, something you go to in person? Do you pay to join? Do you get invited? How do you get in that? Yeah, yeah. So this was back in 2021. So it was during COVID. So mostly everything was digital at that point. The fellowship itself, we did pay. It was a program that we paid to be a part of, but there was an application process to get into it. And it was a really good place gathering people interested in the same subject matter, motivated in the same ways, but coming from different backgrounds of how to approach these problems. And so it was a series of meetings and guest lectures teaching us about climate and the opportunities and and then just a lot of ways to collaborate together. You're really building something that's all new from the ground up. That's got to be super challenging. Are there any resources or tools or books or reading you do that give you the confidence that you can build something on some framework? As you know, Bill, I have the book I follow the most just at my desk at all times. There's Steve Blank's written a couple of books, Four Steps to the Epiphany, and more recently, The Startup Owner's Manual. I actually first learned about these at Ridgeline, and we used a lot of the frameworks that he proposed at Ridgeline. So that was my first time using them. And then I've been continuing to use them here at Duckling. And basically, the idea behind his work is, well, first of all, the most important thing about building a business is getting customers. And it's important to make sure that the ideas that you have are going to be a fit with a customer before you go through just all of the work of building and selling. If you wait too long to get feedback on your ideas or feedback on your product, you may end up building something no one wants. So to get customers, you have to build something someone wants to buy. And so it's the customer discovery framework is about finding customers and developing your product to fit those customers' needs. So this is the second time you've gone through this practice of using the concept? Yeah. How do you know you're talking to the right person? He talks about the concept of early evangelists. And even if somebody's interested in your product, not everyone's going to be a good early customer for your product, the customers have to, one, understand that the pain that you're talking about, they have to already feel that. They're feeling it so much that they want to solve it. And ideally, they've gone out of their way to solve it in some way. They're already taking action on it, but maybe not in the way that we would build a product against it, but they are solving it. And then, of course, they want to pay and work on that product even before it's ready. So they have a problem, they have their workarounds, and even before we've built out our product, the customer would be excited about working together to solve that. If you can find those attributes in somebody, in a company, in a customer, you're on the right track for those first customers that you want to have using your product. It's really important to ask the right questions of the customer. You can't just say, hey, are you passionate? Usually people will say, oh, yeah, about something. Do you have to come up with clever approaches to having them express without you directly asking? 
You do. It comes back to evidence. You need to be able to ask and see evidence in the actions that they've already taken. Most people in the world, even if they don't know you, like we kind of want to be nice to each other. We don't want to straight up tell somebody like, no, your idea is bad and I'm just never going to buy that. And so it is common to get like, oh yeah, if you built that, of course I'd buy it. But that's not real commitment. Real commitment is seeing that they've already taken actions that indicate that they're already spending, whether it's money or time or resources to solve this problem. And even before you have a product built, they're willing to commit to you in some way, whether that's again, money or time or resources to help you figure out or help us figure out that problem as well. And so, yeah, it comes back to getting evidence. Let's build on that and then target it, overlay that directly on Duckling. And the website is Get Duckling. On the listener's mind, has got to be, why Duckling? What's that name mean? We came up with the name of because of the story of the ugly duckling. So I'm sure everyone's familiar with the story, but just in case, basically there's one duckling in the group of all of the ducklings who's thought to be ugly. It turns out that they're not actually a duckling, they're a swan. And so by the time that they grow up, they're this beautiful swan. It's a story of becoming and recognizing the opportunities or the beauty where you may not see it. And electrification felt like that for us, especially our focus of retrofitting single family homes for electrification. One, it's for many, they may not realize that there's a, like electrifying their home can be a great solution for a number of problems. In particular, we were focused on climate. People think of getting an EV versus a combustion vehicle, but they don't realize that they can also reduce emissions by electrifying their home as well. So in that way, it was an ugly duckling. And also the approach to the problem, it's a very operationally heavy problem. You have to have people in the house because each home is different. It's a very challenging, difficult, and for many typical software approaches, software companies, it could be a really ugly problem to solve with a software company. But we were excited. Those hard problems are exciting. And both of that led to us thinking like, okay, the ugly duckling, let's be duckling and solve these problems. So catch everyone here up on the latest work, say the last year or so. What's happened That's the major milestones in the last year? I think one of the biggest milestones came around the time that, Bill, you came on as an advisor, which was shortly after we made the decision to focus fully on building contractor software. And so in that time since December, we wanted to spend as much time as we can really understanding the contractor side of this problem and how electrification is impacting contractors today. We did a lot of survey and interview work to make sure that we were understanding the problems. Surveyed over 100, 101 contractors responded to our survey. We interviewed over 30 contractors to really understand what the problems are. And now our focus is turning to getting our first customers who we will be building alongside with before our first product launch later this year. Were there surprises? Say, and I would imagine there would be, but like summarize any surprises or pivots in thinking because of this evidence or this contact with actual potential customer? We went into the interviews and surveys thinking that electrification could be an opportunity for HVAC and home performance contractors to expand their business. If you start installing heat pumps, you probably have to deal with the electrical system. If you're dealing with the electrical system already, there might be easier things to add on to your business now that you're touching electrical like EV chargers or... Not literally touching electrical, right? (laughs) Yeah, not literally, but working with. That's what we were testing to see if we were able to make it easy to add those products. Would contractors be interested in that? Is that a problem that they'd be looking to solve? 
And what was surprising is we learned that contractors are already expanding their work because of electrification. In our survey, I think it was over 70% are already being asked by their homeowners about other pieces of electrification beyond heat pumps. And another 60% were either have already added another piece of electrification, most likely heat pump water heaters to their work, or we're looking to add other pieces of electrification to their work with a lot of interest in things like adding rooftop solar or a battery or EV chargers to their work. And the results of the survey were shared at this electrification panel at the HVAC school symposium. And I'll put a link to that conference and you can still buy in to watch everything in the conference for $22, which includes this one-hour session to hear the discussion with myself, Kimberly Llewellyn from Mitsubishi, and Jim Bergman from MeasureQuick. We'll also throw a link in to the results of the survey, PDF, to the show notes here so you can see what the voice of the customer was. You talked about pain and workarounds. What were some of the pain points in summary that were heard, especially during the one-on-ones, the longer interviews? We heard a number. I think the top Three consistent themes that we heard for pain points was one, educating homeowners. So homeowners either didn't have much of a background in this area and recommending, if they're interested in just a heat pump, recommending home performance work to make sure that that heat pump will perform well, required some extra education that homeowners weren't ready for or contractors didn't quite have tools except sitting down at the kitchen table or giving some books or PDFs of information online. Or there were also some customers who it was kind of like the WebMD effect where they would read this stuff online, but the contractor sitting at the table like, no, that's actually not right for this climate zone or for your house. And so they'd have to combat some wrong information that they were finding online or information that just didn't work in this scenario. So education was never fun to dispute your customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to put them on the right track. Yeah. So Education, I think, was the first area. And contractors definitely had workarounds, like whether it's their own pitch at the kitchen table or sharing books, or we even heard from some who would test in their own home and understand what impact certain upgrades had on their bills, and then try to build like a spreadsheet to extrapolate that to what was happening at their customers. So that's what we were seeing in the first pain point. The second was planning whole home work. For the contractors who are starting to stretch beyond HVAC or HVAC and home performance, it was difficult to build a whole home plan for the homeowner and a whole home proposal. Whether this proposal meant the job being done all at once or a set of projects that would be done over multiple years to make their home all electric or more electrified that makes sense for that home. That was the other problem is just understanding all of the opportunities. Sometimes the contractor would have multiple different software tools that they're using to design, like a design tool for solar and one for the HVAC. And so again, there were workarounds, whether it's building some or even building homegrown software or sets of spreadsheets, putting this together or a nice PowerPoint presentation that they have to manually put together that pulls from these different tools. And then the final problem, assuming they could educate and assuming they could build these whole home plans is just dealing with the various rebates and incentives and financing options that are becoming available for this type of work. So the Inflation Reduction Act is, I think, the largest example of what's coming down the pipeline. A lot of money coming through the Inflation Reduction Act. A lot of questions 
contractors are already asking, even homeowners are already asking contractors, but no certainty yet on how these will be rolled out within each state and how contractors can integrate it into their business model. Figuring out what incentives a homeowner applies for and how to quote and build a plan based on that is was a pain point that we heard. And some of the workarounds or the pain for the workarounds without being too specific on examples, can you give a summary? So some people that are in pain don't know they are in pain <laughs> and they may need to have it pointed out. They may think it's just the way it has to be. And you're working on or we're working on a way so it doesn't have to be as painful, but describe maybe some of the workarounds that are being used. Yeah, I think the most common where somebody may not know they're in pain or thinks it's just the way it is comes back to spreadsheets. So spreadsheets can be a great stopgap and they can be very powerful. You could run pretty successful businesses all off of spreadsheets. But when something changes, spreadsheets can be really hard to update or the business has to pause un until you update it or somebody who could be doing other things is spending time updating spreadsheets. And so I think that's typically a pain point in the process that we'll hear about that technology or a software solution could speed up or make even easier. Peel back the curtain of technology. What are some of the tools that are used to be able to take all this learning from any one of these projects in your career you put together. And I imagine there's probably some new tools that are being used. And then secondarily, I know a phrase called the tech stack, but I want you to explain that for the listeners because I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so first the tools. <laughs> At least the way that we work, I think we go from customer discovery into design and then into building. And some of the design and build, they'll iterate together. A lot of the work we've been doing so far is at the customer discovery phase, and we have different frameworks or tools. We use a lot of a tool called Figma to map out the findings that we have and do some of this customer discovery work. We also use Notion to share a lot of the learnings that we have. And it's a series of putting together like ideas or hypotheses that we have of who our customer is, what their problems are, and how we would solve them with our product, asking questions to confirm or tell us we're wrong about where we think our customer is or their problems or, or those opportunities, and then keep updating. As we find that there's a certain customer with a certain problem and our software, our solution can solve that, the next step we mostly do is design work. So build out prototypes in Figma that if they can be higher or lower fidelity, but look like the real thing that customers can actually look at and click around in, not connected to anything and see, is this tool solving their problem? Is this something they would want to have? And this allows us to get quick feedback before we spend all of this time actually coding and putting together a solution. It gives us a chance to see, like, are we going in the right direction? And then as we get that feedback, we start to move to the real thing. And we're using a process called design partnership, where before we even launch our first product, we're going to have about three to five customers who are willing to work alongside us, spend a few hours a month testing as we build our product, actually testing it out, giving us feedback on it, maybe trying it one off with one customer to see if it works, all before finalizing in our first product that can be implemented later this year that's usable for a general audience later this year. What are the qualities of a good design partner? I think you covered them before a little bit, but maybe restate them. It does come back to one feels the pain and wants to solve it so much they're already having their own workarounds to solving it. And then they are excited to get a better solution to solve it and be an early adopter of that. And when you're an early adopter, that means that the first thing that comes out probably won't solve all of your problems, but 
it's and will probably have some warts on it, some things that need to be resolved, but that the customer is excited to provide feedback to give a little extra effort just to make sure that that product will be better and will work in the future. And as we're recording this on February 27th, are you still looking for design partners? Yeah, we are. We still have spots open for design partners for this first round of design partnership for building this product. Great. And I'll put a link in the show notes on how to get in touch with you to see if it's a good match for another company. And it would generally be an HVAC or home performance or building performance contractor who has a belief that electrification is a trend that they can help with and build a business around. The product that we're building that we're working on in the design partnership is we want it to be easier for contractors to plan and sell whole home electrification products or packages. This comes back to being able to build the plan, to be able to educate customers and to be able to navigate the rebates and financing options and other incentives available. And so the ideal customer at this stage would be doing some electrification work already is feeling the pain of putting together these whole home plans and educating customers on them and navigating the rebates and is excited to get a product out there or use a product that will solve this. Is there a role model for this overall process, your approach, or is it something you just gleaned from everywhere you've worked or is it the John jumping in phases thing? There are a number. I learned a lot from the CEO of my last company. His name's Dave Duffield. He's founded a number of very successful companies. One thing he always preached is just the importance of your customers overall, and especially those early customers, and being able to build a product for them and really go above and beyond for them to deliver. So that's one place where I've learned it. And then, of course, Steve Blank, a lot of the work that he's done has kicked off a lot of what modern startups use to this day for customer development and product for the customer development process. And I look up to a lot of what he's done and what he talks about. How long ago were his books published or how long has they been around? I think Four Steps to the Epiphany was actually, it might have been from the 90s. And the Startup Owner's Manual, I think, was in the 2010s. So that one was more recent and updated for more internet-based startups. I'll make another comment about the way you work, which I notice is you quickly want to recap what you just experienced in an interview and you take really good notes. So for anybody who's starting a process or starting a new project or division or something like that, I think this contact with customers, potential customers, listening to what they're saying. The other cool thing that I learned from you is you distill conversations into themes you put them into buckets and then look for which bucket's getting really full. And this is a common theme to take forth and to work with and develop. So that's a really cool attribute that I learned from you. Thanks. You work really hard. I know that. And hopefully people can hear it in the energy in your voice and your commitment to doing this. And you're right now, there's no income. So you're just doing this based off of your own resources. Yep. Because of that, it's probably on your mind a lot. But how do you get away? What are your hobbies? You do have to take mental breaks, I assume, because you always come back cheerful to the conversation. So what do you do to break? Going back to the phase, I probably had different hobbies at different points in life. But one that's always been consistent is running. I'm a big runner. I I love to run and try to get as many miles in as I can. So that's really helpful for me. And I think 
more recently, going to the movies, going to movie theaters to watch a movie is a nice escape. So easy just to be like on my phone browsing. I think a lot of us fall into that. But that's a place where you're discouraged to actually look at your phone. And so I use that as a chance to escape as well. Very good. I think we covered a lot here. And like I said, listeners, there'll be some links in the show notes to the survey to the live electrification panel, the recording of it, if you'd like to hear the conversation there, which there are probably, would you say about 70, 80 contractors under the big tent there listening and interacting with the group? Yeah, yeah, at least. You can see some of that. One thing on the tech stack, what does that mean? Tech stack is, at least from the customer perspective, is just the combination of software tools that your company uses to do its work. So everything from what you use for project management and customer management, probably CRM through to even how you communicate with customers, probably emails and calls. And then the software that you use to do design and do take your measurements and do the design. And so it's just that full combination of tools that you use or software that you use, technologies that you use to make your business work. And they all have to talk to each other. They don't have to. I, ideally, they do. A lot of times, this is where maybe spreadsheets typically come in. So a lot of times, if they aren't communicating with each other, you either have manual data entry in some way, or a lot of people will turn to spreadsheets, which are usually a stopgap between a full, I'll say vertical, but basically like a one tool to run your entire business off of. What do you think the future holds from this perspective here at the near future? What's going to happen in the next year when we check in again? I think a year from now, you will see Duckling with our first product in the market that anyone listening to this podcast could start to use and buy. I think that will be the big thing. There's a concept of MVP, minimum viable product. We'll be closer to that, the first product that can be usable by our customers. And we'll be working on expanding that into this greater platform that contractors can use to build and sell whole home electrification products. And from my perspective, it's pretty unique. That's what has me interested and, and involved is there's just a lot of unique attributes about it. And also, I'll just say your passion, your drive, your approach, and your diligence on these efforts. So everybody listening, I'm involved with this. I do have a small financial interest in it. I've got a lot of time baked into it, but I believe in where things are headed. And I think the resonance that I've heard from contractors, that this is a real thing. Customers want it contractors want to engage. It's a good thing and so many different touch points. Anything you want to close with, John? Thanks for having me on here, Bill. If anyone hears this and there's anything that interests you about Duckling or you have any advice or even just want to engage with what we're working on, please reach out. I'm easy to get a hold of. It's John, J-O-H-N at getduckling.com. So my first name at getduckling.com. And I look forward to talking to everyone. Thank you. And everyone will be listening. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, John. Bye, Bill. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode, talking about the new product for contractors interested in helping their customers in electrifying their homes. There's a lot of links in the show notes if you're interested in duckling the contractor survey that we spoke about in the episode, a one-page overview on duckling. And then if you're interested in becoming a design partner, the opportunity is closing soon, but you can fill out a quick form with a link in the show notes. And then there's also an electrification panel discussion 
that was held at the 2023 HVAC School Symposium and that featured Kimberly Llewellyn from Mitsubishi, Jim Bergman from MeasureQuick, and myself. And there's a link to that. There is a small fee to get access to all the events, but you can see the recorded event. It's about an hour long with about 80 contractors under the tent listening to us. Other great trade-related resources and influencers include the HVACR School, as I mentioned a moment ago, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVAC Overtime, HVACR Videos, HomeDiagnosis.tv, AC Service Tech, and MeasureQuick. I also host the ResTalk podcast where you can learn more about all the topics of home energy ratings and peripheral topics, including things like water ratings, things you might never even think of. If you like what you heard today and not subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing Building HVAC Science into the search bar of anything, really, and you'll find us. You could even call us out on Alexa and you will find the latest episode of Building HVAC Science. Thanks again for listening. And if you want to reach out to me, you can reach me at bill at truetechtools.com. If you're in the market for any tools or test instruments mentioned in the podcast or just looking for things in general, you can always shop at truetechtools.com and use the discount code HVACBS for a nice discount. And in full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of TrueTech too. Thanks again for listening to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Take care.